Hi, I'm Damien Kingley, and this is the fucked up story of my life and the lives of my guests. In this series of podcasts, I'll be speaking to unique and inspiring individuals about their life, their personal stories, struggles, and experiences. Hi, this is The Voice, and welcome to Life Is with Damien King Lee. Our guest this week is Claire Holt, the Australian actress who's taking America by storm. She's quite the mother, quite the conversationalist, and fascinating. I really hope you guys enjoy this because we had a blast doing it. Thank you and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I hope you're enjoying what's turning out to be a, a really fascinating series of podcasts, which I decided to do when I found out my recent terminal cancer diagnosis. I hope it proves to be beneficial and inspirational, which were all the things I really intended it to be. And if it's not, Christ, you know, change channels. But I really hope this is going to be something quite special. Tonight I have someone with me who I believe I have some commonalities with, believe it or not. But it's someone who's incredibly successful and yet very proud of her social responsibilities as well. Hopefully tonight she's going to have an opportunity to fill us in about her intricacies of her life and all the special things that she's achieved and, and, and gone on to do with her current life. Um, this is a podcast really about bringing people together to talk about our various struggles, difficulties, and how we've overcome these. I know my story, and if you know my story, you know that I'm a multi-cancer survivor. I'm currently struggling with my latest terminal diagnosis. Uh, it's a thing that I've learned to get on with. Uh, I, I, I have to live with it every day. And that's my personal journey, and I call it living with cancer. Um, but tonight, I've got a very special guest, as I said, and it's Claire Holt. And I really hope that Claire can share her incredible journey of, of her success and what she's built for her and her family's lives. And uh, really, here we are with Claire. And uh, let me introduce Claire, and we're, we're going to share our stories together tonight. And I hope you're going to enjoy it. So welcome, Claire Holt, to the, to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Wow, Claire. So, um, look, it's, it's incredible to have you here. And, uh, you know, I find you a really special person. I, I, from what I know about you, you know, you have been very inspirational from what I, I, I know about you. And um, tonight, I really want to have the opportunity to try and find out a little bit more about you. And uh, But let me start by some of, I guess, some of the commonalities that I talked please, about please earlier. And look, here they are. I mean, here they are. I mean, look. Your son, okay, your first son, your first child is James. Yep. My boy's James, okay, and that's oh, my really? first son. Yeah, he's James. And he's I know uh, this is a really special time for you right now because right now you're very close to having your second, uh, second child and girl. I am. And I know there's going to be a 17-month gap uh, yes. between James. Yes, the same? Exactly the same with my two Get children. Get out of here. Yeah, no, true. That's amazing. <laughs> 17 months. Well, you can give me some tips then because I don't know how I'm going to I'm going to give you some tips. Absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one. Okay. Your birthday, 11th of July, right? 
11th of June. 11th of June. Oh my God, how can I say that? Because I'm going to be really busted now by my son. <laughs> because it's my second son, 11th of June as well. Same birthday. Yeah, it is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 11th of June. He's going to kill me. I know. <laughs> Don't worry. My dad has forgotten my birthday more times than I so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but same birthday, right? And here we go. Married twice. Wow. Married twice, right? Married twice. Yep. And guess what? We're both Aussies. There you go. Unbelievable. Yeah. You're from it's Brisbane, right? I'm from Brisbane. Yeah, where are you from? Sydney. Oh, well, you're a little more classy than I am. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. We always say that, especially during the rugby state of origin, right? That's true. There's yeah. a big rivalry there. So good. And look, you know, and with this tonight too, uh, I've got... Um, Another special friend of mine, uh, I call him The Voice, Hello. sitting here off screen right now. And, uh, you know, I know uh, The Voice has some uh, commonalities <laughs> with you as well. And uh, sure I've known you for a long time. So say hi, The Voice. Hey, how are you all? Nice to see you again. Hi, Voice. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Claire. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Well, you sound great, even though I can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, all that matters right now. When you when you're nine months pregnant, not many people need to see you. <laughs> you know what? I, I saw you earlier and you looked great. So I'm I'm very oh, very thanks. pleased to, to see you so healthy actually. And um, and Claire and I, you know, have known each other professionally and and. I'm not just saying this, genuinely one of the most talented actors I've ever seen work, you know, just oh, wow. so, so on point, so professional, so good. So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. This, this is, for me, going to be an eye-opener because I'm going to get to hear stuff about it that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I remember um, when, I, when we worked together, yeah. I was very much, um, it, it was a really tough role for me, mm -hmm. and so... I would go home every day and I would study and the voice would always say, come on, come hang out, come spend time with us. And, you know, I was a bit of a downer. I was like, no, I've got to go learn. I've got to go, you know, I've got to prepare. So it'll be interesting. I don't think I sort of shared too much of myself or my personality when I was on that job. That's but true. But the funny thing is now it, was, it sounds like I'm just this party boy. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. You, hey, guys, let's go out. Come on, let's go out and party. Don't learn your lines. Come out. <laughs> it was a hard job and I think it you were was. trying to get me out of it a no, little bit and you know encourage me to be around the rest of, of the uh, casting crew because yeah. that's what most people do but well you know what Claire, no, whatever you I was did the <laughs> whatever you did was spectacular I have to say you know and, and no, I know this film you. is is coming out uh, you know just after covid hopefully has lifted i think uh, you I know so, yeah. and um and a lot of people are going to are going to be sitting up and taking um incredible notes i mean they already do but but this is such a departure oh, you know you. such a crazy part brilliant writing yeah. by the way the writing was amazing <laughs> It, um, it was yeah, honestly. It was the reason I I, I wanted to do the film. Yeah. I when I read that script, I was like, oh wow. And then of course I met our incredible director. Yeah, terrific, um, unbelievable, too and good to be true. Amazing um, partnership you guys are in now. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. really we we just connected so well uh, during the the production process, and um, have been sort of working together ever since, which is a really nice thing. It doesn't always happen, so. We have uh, a lot of respect for each other creatively and professionally and it, it was such a um, beautiful thing to sort of find that in China, which is where we shot the film. China? Yeah. Wow. Okay. You're from Singapore. Yeah. Well, I'm from, uh, dad's originally from Singapore, yeah, yeah. But which parts oh, of China wow. was it shot in? 
So we were in Dongguan, uh-huh. um, which is like a, a industrial town mm-hmm. in China, and it was just an entirely different world. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like some, I'd never been anywhere like that before, and I had been to China, uh, but it was just so interesting. But the thing that I found the most fascinating about it was I just really loved the people there, and they had such an incredible sense of humor. So many of the crew members and the people that I worked with, you know, the chef, the, uh, just everyone, they were so funny. And I really loved that because I didn't know that um, about them as a culture. And it was really cool. Yeah, they were very dry. I mean, it was, yeah, it was terrific. Very dry. It was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was laughing the whole time. And how was the food? Listen. <laughs> Where we were. Uh, Where we were is pretty good. You know what? I lived on um, white rice and bok choy the whole time. And bok choy, and right. put, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd put olive oil all over it. I was like, I guess it needs some fat in there. Uh-huh. Um, and I have a pretty specific taste, so it wasn't really for me, but some people loved it. But that's what I always find incredible about China, though. Um, Back home in Australia, the Chinese food is so different to the actual food that you get from China when you're in China, oh, isn't yeah, it? It's, really, like, it's, it's interesting, it's, isn't it? It's completely not what you experience back home, and even in England or America or whatever. But I think, you know, the food that we tend to experience back home and, and in other Western nations is more Hong Kong Chinese style. So when you get to oh, China, right, yes. China, it's, it's wow, it's it's really foreign. It, it, is, it was very foreign, and uh, I... When I went to Hong Kong, I, I ate the food and I felt very at home. Uh-huh. Uh, I went actually for a weekend uh, when we were shooting. But uh, aside from that, I, you know, I was nervous too. I just didn't know really what was in the food. And, um, <laughs> you know, I just didn't know if there was a language barrier and I was going to be eating something I didn't want to eat. So I was like, you know, what, I'll stick to what I know. I brought a whole suitcase worth of um, like bars and, and snacks from Whole Foods. So I had my clothes suitcase for the month and my food suitcase ah, for the month, ah. and I got by just smart, fine. Smart, smart. Oh, cool. Well, listen, Claire, I mean, let's talk about something super relevant right now, and that's you. And let's do uh, it. yeah, you're, you're obviously about to be an expectant mummy yet again. Um, I am. How, yeah. how is this whole mummy thing for you right now and how does it impact your career and has it put things on hold I mean what's going on you know it's been the most mind-blowing journey for me um first initially my transition into motherhood and then um having my son and everything that I went through so when I uh first decided that I wanted to have a child with my now husband um I had a miscarriage my first pregnancy and that was really really tough for me um I never really gave weight to what women go through when they experience that. Uh, I had always thought, well, you know, you can't possibly be connected to this child because it's, uh, I was about 10 and a half weeks at the point that Mm -hmm. I miscarried. So I was like, it's not that long. You haven't been, you know, you don't really know the thing already. It's, you know, a thing is what I referred to it as. And then when I went through it myself, the depth of the feelings that I felt and just the overwhelming despair and depression that I felt afterwards uh, really opened my eyes to like what a lot of women go through and the struggles of becoming a parent and, um, you know, fertility issues. It really, it can do a number on someone. Mm -hmm. And I know it impacts the men as well, but just being the woman and experiencing that and experiencing that sense of failure, um, which is what I felt when I lost my first baby. Um, And then when I became pregnant with my son, James, which was about... Five months later, I would say. So I had my miscarriage. I went to China and I shot the film. 
And then uh, I came back from China and I went away with my husband for a little vacation uh, and I got pregnant with James. And that was uh, a really interesting process for me because I feel like I didn't get to fully enjoy my pregnancy. I was so worried that something was going to go wrong the whole time. So every doctor's appointment, my blood pressure was through the roof. Uh, I was so anxious. I was so anxious that my body wouldn't be able to do what I thought it was supposed to do. Um, and the whole way through the pregnancy, every little twinge I felt, every mm-hmm. uh everything that was new and foreign to me, I thought meant that something was going wrong. So it was a tough experience. I just desperately wanted to have the baby in my arms because I felt like if he's on the outside, then he's safe. You know, Mm -hmm. nothing can happen to him, but I can't control what happens to him in my body. Um, And interestingly, when he was, when I was 34 weeks pregnant, we had a scan and they thought that they saw something wrong with his heart. And of course I was like, yep, this is it. I knew it. I've been waiting for it this whole time. This is what, you know, they're going to tell me there's something terribly wrong with him. And it turned out that he was okay. And now his heart's perfect. And it was just something we monitored sort of through the rest of the pregnancy and um, in the first six months of life. And now he's okay. But I just had this experience where I didn't get to enjoy it. And then it was something that I'd wanted so desperately because of my miscarriage and because I wanted to have a family and I really loved my husband and I wanted to have children with him. And it was such a struggle to get there. And then when I had this baby, I was like, okay, when he's out, I'm going to be so relieved and so happy and it's going to be the best thing to ever happen. And I really struggled postpartum. I had terrible postpartum anxiety. Um, I, I thought that he would suffocate. I just was terrified that he was got, you know, of SIDS, that at some point in the night I was going to fall asleep or, you know, maybe he would be on my chest and he would fall off and, mm-hmm. and he would stop breathing. And so I was constantly living in this state of, okay, I just, I've got to keep him alive. I've got to keep him alive. I've got to make sure that he's safe. And then I really struggled with breastfeeding. Um, he had a, a milk protein allergy that I didn't know about. So he, would, he was a colicky baby and he would cry and cry and he was always in pain and I didn't know what was wrong with him. I'd never had a child before, so I didn't, you know, I, I couldn't determine whether it was something I was doing or whether it was the food or what. And then, uh, so that lasted probably about 12 weeks. The first 12 mm-hmm. weeks, I really struggled. And then I felt guilty again because I was like, well, I wanted this baby so desperately and I fought so hard for this baby and then I just wanted him on the outside and now I'm not enjoying it. I'm not a good mother. I'm failing him. And maybe I shouldn't have been so desperate to have children because, uh, you know, I'm clearly doing a terrible job. And then I, you know, did a lot of therapy and I worked through it and and I realized, you know, there were a lot of things up against me and, you know, his allergy and just being so unfamiliar with the situation and my previous anxiety throughout my pregnancy had sort of trickled into my postpartum experience. But after he was about three months old, I kind of felt the fog lift. And that was actually when I stopped breastfeeding because of this allergy and I switched him to a hypoallergenic formula and he did amazing mm-hmm. after that. Um, but I started to feel like, okay, I'm, you know, sort of becoming myself again. I feel, um, I feel like, you know, I, maybe I'm not such a terrible mother. He seems to smile at me. So <laughs> I think he likes me. And I really, um, you know, began to enjoy the experience more. But then I faced this this struggle of, okay, well, what does this mean for me and my identity? You know, am I mm-hmm. going to go back to work? Am I going to 
get to do what I love, which is acting. I, you know, it's my major passion. Am I going to have to make sacrifices because I can't just pick up and go to China anymore? You know, I have to think about my family. And I had this sort of real, you know, crisis inside about like, who am I now? You know, I, I realize now I'm, I'm a mother and I realize maybe, you know, I'm not such a terrible mother like I thought I was. And I really do love my son and I care about him and I want him to have an incredible life. And maybe that means that my ambitions have to take a backseat a little bit. So that was certainly another part of the struggle and um, the, an almost identity crisis that I went through. And then I started to, um, you know, at about when he was about six, seven months old, I started to realize, okay, there's probably things I can do and, you know, I'll just make certain sacrifices, but I don't have to sacrifice everything. And I felt like I was starting to get in my groove again. And then I got pregnant with my daughter. <laughs> so, and so it was, uh, it was really interesting because we all know how you get pregnant. So surprise pregnancies don't necessarily, that's not really a thing. No. Um, I just didn't think it would be so quick for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't think because of my miscarriage and, you know, I'd heard a lot of friends having trouble having a second child. Um, I didn't think that I would be fortunate enough to conceive the first time. And uh, I did. And so, you know, then I sort of went through the cycle again of I'm so lucky, I'm so blessed, I'm so happy but I was just about ready to go back to work and now I'm pregnant and I don't know what that means for me. And I don't know whether I'll be able to. Um, and so sort of the first three months again, you, you start to think, okay, well, uh, who knows if this is going to last this pregnancy, obviously you have to get through all the testing and you have to make sure that the baby's healthy. So that was kind of in the back of my mind. And then right when I got sort of the all clear that the baby was healthy, this awful pandemic happened and mm-hmm. everyone went into lockdown and as horrible as it's been for so many people, I tried to look at it as like an opportunity to just connect with my family and stay home and focus on my pregnancy and, and, you know, rest and quieten my mind and not feel like I had to constantly chase something or mm-hmm. be something. Um, you know, I, I guess they say I don't, I don't have any FOMO this time like I had last time. And so it's been, it's been a pretty bumpy road in terms of like the ups and downs I've experienced transitioning from being fully career driven to being a mother. But I will say, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure everyone says this and you know what it feels like, but there is nothing like it in the world. I would never choose my career over this feeling. It's so, I look at my son sometimes and I don't, I don't know how to function. I feel like I'm going to explode. Like I can't breathe. He is the best thing to ever happen to me. And it's, it's just not even a question. Like I would never choose anything over that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's definitely interesting that as a woman, particularly I have to, you know, deal with these big questions. Like, am I going to make those sacrifices? I'm obviously not going to be able to act for nine months because I'm pregnant and it's very difficult to hide that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's been a journey, but I certainly wouldn't change it. And I think I've grown a lot as a human. Um, I think I've, I have a lot of compassion for people who go through this journey now. I think I'm a lot nicer to my mum, <laughs> which is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You understand <laughs> her better. I have so much yeah, respect yeah. for her. Yeah. She did four kids in five years. Wow, wow. And it's funny because when I was growing up, sometimes I used to think, you know, 
oh, I wish my mom like was so career driven and mm-hmm. I wish she would, would go out and like wanted to achieve these things. And now I realize like she gave up everything, everything. for us. Yeah. yeah. She was a nurse and, and she stopped and she raised four children and that's the hardest job in the world. The you don't get holidays. Job. You don't yeah. get sick days. No, exactly. It's 24 hours a day. And you know what's easier? Going to work. That's uh-huh. easier. It sure is. So it's been interesting, yeah. Wow. And you know, Claire, I could hear so much emotion in when you were talking, and, and obviously it's had a, a big emotional impact the, the, oh. with your life. But there was one thing I, I read about you in a previous interview. You said that the, the, the whole miscarriage situation had actually a positive impact on your relationship. One stage. Yes. I mean, what, what do you mean by that? How? I think the depth of connection that it gave me with my husband was something that I don't know that I would have found um, if we'd had simple, easy pregnancies with mm-hmm. no complications. Uh, the support that he showed me, even though his heart was breaking too, was mm-hmm. such a beautiful thing. And when you go through something like that together and, and, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with your own journey, when you go through really tough times with people, it can either, like, bring you together, it can tear you apart, and and for us it just brought us so close together. And we really, it really made us grateful for what we have now and for our son, you know, if that pregnancy had worked out, I wouldn't have my boy James mm-hmm. and he's my baby. He's mm-hmm. the one I'm meant to have. So I, I know that to be true, uh, but it was a really special thing for us, particularly because we hadn't been together too long before um, we got pregnant. And, you know, we, it was very like much when you know, you know, uh, when we met right away, we were just like felt so connected and in love and knew we were going to get married. And um, it was a very quick thing, but it, it just sort of, deepened our connection even further so mm-hmm. I, I am grateful for that wow okay and that's great taking a you know a positive from a negative and uh, I'm a big yeah. believer in that and you know look my own situation too you know I, I've actually been a single dad um bringing up my two young boys for a long long time and um you know my my partner my wife at the, at the time chose to I guess tread a different path um, and well, you know where she was in her stage in her life at the time um, she was more about career and um, wow. I guess what she called herself a party girl <laughs> and wow. um, I always used to say to her you know look you know that's 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 the wrong timing when you've already got two kids and uh, yeah right and uh, so we anyway we ended up separating and eventually divorcing but I, I brought up the two boys full time and I have so much respect for you let me just say that being a parent with a partner is one of the hardest jobs in the world so doing it on your own I can't even imagine like I, I just think it takes t- such tremendous strength and resilience and I'm sure there were days that were just impossibly hard but it I have so much respect for you that you were able oh, to do thanks, that, I, I don't know how I would do it I really don't <laughs> it has its moments right but you know what as you mentioned earlier too it's some of the most rewarding moments and um yeah. you know I wouldn't change a thing as well and and the whole situation and it's daddy and the boys and you know I've oh, brought them I up the that. way that I guess I I wanted two boys to be brought up and we're, we're really close and fortunately their mum's come more into their life more recently which is fantastic because you know children 
need a mum and a dad, of course. And um, but uh, you know, it's had its challenges because at the same time, you know, I've been building my businesses, um, I've been dealing with cancer, um, so a lot of things of going on in my life. And um, you know, it's really interesting to hear how you, as a super busy person, which I know you are, um, dealing with it, and so close together. Seventeen months is going to be between them. Yes. So yeah, yeah. So it does. I don't know how I'm going to cope. Ask me again in ten days. Whatever this little wow. little one decides to show up, but um, I think you know the good thing going into the second birth is you know what to expect. You know nothing lasts forever. You know that those like crazy nights of sleep deprivation are going to end at some point, That's... and you just don't have as much fear around the whole experience because uh-huh. you feel like at least a little equipped uh-huh. to uh, deal with it. But um, that's what I'm hoping for this time. We'll see. I'm sure it'll work out. And look, you mentioned earlier, you mentioned earlier about your mum and now you have so much respect for your mum. I mean, what was it like yes. for you growing up back home in Australia? And, you know, what, what, tell us about your family life and, and your childhood. I mean, did you always dream to be an actress or what, what were your childhood aspirations? Well, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, no, I didn't at all dream to be an actress. <laughs> um, so my father's a doctor. My mother was a nurse. They met in Papua New Guinea. My mother's from oh, really? England. My dad's from Australia. Australia. They were both in Papua New Guinea and uh-huh. Port be working. And then they met and fell in love and um, moved back to Australia. And my mum had always wanted to be a mother. Like, she's just so maternal and nurturing. And, and my dad comes from a really big family of 10 children. Mm-hmm. So it was just a given, I think, that they were going to have as many as they could. Um, and so I grew up so close to my siblings and we had a really awesome life. We did. Australia was an incredible place to grow up. Uh, we were outdoors all the time, you know, so athletic because it just was encouraged there. And, um, we had, I had so many cousins. I had 40 first cousins on my dad's side. Wow. Yeah. Now I have 40. I uh-huh. didn't have 40 at the uh-huh. time. There's been sort of a, a trickle down effect of, of make the second family turning more. Uh, maybe it's like 45 now, to be honest. Uh, but we, we were like this gang and we did everything together and we went camping and, you know, fishing and swimming. And um, it was really an awesome childhood. Um, you know, I, had always envisioned myself potentially following in my dad's footsteps or my mum's and doing something mm-hmm. in the medical field. Um, I was very interested in that because I would go with my dad when he was on call some weekends and I would see his patients with him around the hospital. They didn't seem to mind having his you know, eight-year-old tag along. Mm-hmm. And I just really felt comfortable in a hospital, which is um, interesting because I know a lot of people struggle with that. Uh, but I, I really loved it and I was fascinated by it. And then as I got older, um, to earn money, I was a medical typist for my dad and I think he was paying me like five bucks an hour. I was like, this sucks. This has got to be a better way to earn money than like just typing typing these letters for $5. In <laughs> and uh, so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do TV commercials. And that's going to be like, I heard this girl does them in school, you know, over, one over and uh-huh. she makes like a $1,000. And that'd be awesome. So I did this little mini screen acting course and and I booked a couple of commercials and one was like for Sizzler and I got to drink pink lemonade and eat cheese bread every day and I thought I was like the luckiest kid on earth and it was the best job ever because I just ate junk food and I didn't have to go to school. And uh, so I started doing more of those and then uh, just 
as a side, I'd always been a big swimmer at school. So I played water polo and I was on the swim team and I, I really loved swimming. And my uh, commercial agent at the time said, look, there's this role that they need a, a good swimmer for. It's a role in a TV series. And I know you haven't done much acting, um, but I know you can swim. So mm-hmm. do you want to go try? And I, I think I was 16 at the time. And I was like, sure, yeah, I guess, I guess why not? You know, I really was focused on finishing school and it was important to me to go to university, but I was like, I can do both. So I went and auditioned. I'm pretty sure I made it through by the skin of my teeth, this acting audition. Like, I sucked. I had no idea what I was doing. No one had ever taught me anything. (laughs) I think I was just kind of like winging it. And somehow I got through the acting round and then we went to the swimming round. And for the swimming round... I had to hold my breath. I didn't have to, but they were like, just go underwater and hold your breath as long as you can and come up. The role was to play a mermaid. And so I went under and I held my breath for a 50 meter, the length of a mm-hmm. swimming pool for 50 meters. And I came up and they're like, you got the job. You got the job. That was it. Wow. <laughs> so I yeah. think, I don't think they cared about my acting. They were like, we can teach this girl yeah. how to act, but it's pretty hard to teach someone how to swim. And it was a huge part of, of the role. So that, that was my uh, first foray into the acting wow. world. And mm-hmm. it, it was so unexpected and, and nothing I ever sort of thought that I would do. But I just figured, you know, why not? This is a really cool opportunity and I can save some money for when I go to university. I'll finish school whilst I'm set. Um, you know, and I did that. I worked so hard. We would work really long hours and then I would go home and I would study for four or five hours. I'd sleep a few hours and I'd go back to work the next day. So it was it was definitely um, a tough experience for, for someone that age. Uh, but it, I just got the acting bug and I loved it and I had the best time and I loved being around the cast and the crew and just getting to experience that world was kind of intoxicating for me. So uh, I realised, you know, maybe this was something that I wanted to pursue in the future as a career path and I knew how, you know, difficult it mm-hmm, would be mm-hmm. to go from, you know, obscurity in Australia on this, like, kids' show to hopefully having a career um, in in the States. But, you know, when you're that young, you're kind of naive and you just think things will work out. So I packed a suitcase and uh, thank God it did. Well, it did. Well, it did, right? It did. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I guess it has has until this point. We'll see. TBD if I uh, I actually have a career left when I'm... I'm sure you will. (laughs) But who was your, like, along the way? I mean, did you have a mentor? Was your mum or your dad sort of pushing you along? I mean, how how did you... Who who was guiding you in these early days when you were a young teenager? My mum was so... She would just... was so encouraging. And it was a really awesome thing because... What she wanted in for her family and for her life, I know, is for her family mm. to live by her and us all live on the state street for our whole lives and she'd be surrounded by her grandchildren and and we'd be so close because she was desperate for that. That's what she wanted, you know, her whole life she just wanted that connection and that family. Um, and But she just, like, gave us wings, you know. Both my sister and I live in the United States. She encouraged my sister to take an internship with a senator in D.C. She encouraged oh, wow. me yeah. to... To, um, to take this acting job. She encouraged me to move to the United States. She came with me when I first moved for six weeks and helped sort of set me up and, and make me feel comfortable. It was just a really selfless thing that she mm-hmm. did. Um, now being a mother, realizing what it would take to 
send your kids overseas and know that it was because they're going to have a better life yeah, or they're yeah. going to have what they want. Like that takes a lot. That's a brave and my thing. dad, of course, was always always very supportive as well, but I just think he was a little more realistic. Like, you want to go to Hollywood, kid? Okay, sure. Good luck. See you in a couple of years, you know? Wow. Um, but he, he never sort of let me know that that's how he felt. He was like, okay, you know, you keep trying and send me your budgets and I'll help you through and I'll show you, you know, where you could maybe mm-hmm. save some more money or do this and that and talk me through your plans. And they were, they were both incredible, but really it was my mum who – I wouldn't be where I am mm-hmm. acting without my mom. Without she definitely mom. encouraged me to follow it. Yeah. So, how old were you when you first made the move to the states? I, I was twenty okay. when I first moved to America. Yeah. And I had one suitcase, and I didn't have any friends. I didn't know a single person. Right. And thinking back now, I'm like, that was nuts. I can't believe I just like got on an airplane and blindly trusted that I'd figure it out. Uh, but it, it was really tough that first year mm-hmm. um, that I was in the States because I had to not only start over professionally because no one really cared what I'd done before. You know, I had mm-hmm. to do all of those. I think I did 142 auditions before I got my first job. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 142 That's auditions. <laughs> Damn. Okay. And, you know, yeah, if you yeah. know anything about the audition process, it's not like you just walk in and, and you to a job interview and you're like, you either like mm-hmm. me or you don't. Here's my resume. You have to really prepare. Yeah. And the way I am with my work, I really care, you know, about doing a good job and impressing people. So mm-hmm. I would work really hard on all of those auditions, every single one of them. And so it was pretty crushing uh, to, you know, go to that much effort and just, just feel that constant uh, rejection. And hit a brick wall each and time, Yeah. What was even harder, I think, was that I got quite close on a lot of really mm-hmm. awesome jobs. You know, maybe I came second, maybe I came third or whatever. Mm. And that was so hard because I was like, well, if I wasn't getting anywhere, I think I'd probably just go home because I would know that this wasn't for me. I've tried. I'm not getting the feedback I need. You know, it's time to leave. But I was getting really close. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the dis- disappointment was kind of even more crushing because – I was like, well, why can't I just get over that edge? You know, what is it mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. me that isn't letting me take that next step forward? And, and what I think I realised now in hindsight is it's a numbers game. It really is. You know, if you – there are so many decisions in the film business that have absolutely nothing to do with your talent and a lot to do with how you look, how you, mm-hmm. how you are next to so-and-so. Or, right you know, place, right time. Yeah. <laughs> right place, right time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm I'm really grateful that I didn't quit because I was close a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but sticking it out really showed me that, you know, if you just keep going, you're just bullheaded. That's and it. Maybe you have too much pride uh-huh. to go home with your tail between your legs, then, you know, hopefully it'll happen. Do you remember that biggest low during that period, though? I mean, when was that moment where you thought, this is it? I have such a clear vision of it. It's really funny. I was sitting on a – I was on Sunset Boulevard and I had just gotten a call from my manager. This might have been like the 110th edition or something. I'd just gotten a call from my manager about a job that I thought – I was like, for sure I've got this one. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to get. And she called me and she was like, it's not going your way, which is the, the agent manager speak mm-hmm. like, you know, there was, it's not going to go your way or they're going in another direction. And I just plonked myself down on a bus stop in front of all of these people and just bawled my eyes out, cried and cried and cried. 
And no one really stopped, which now looking back, I'm like, that's kind of rough, isn't it? No one wanted to check, but I guess they're so used to seeing so, that. Yeah, yeah. Boulevard of Broken Dreams, dreams right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I just cried and I was like, I can't keep doing this. I've, I'm trying so hard and I don't know, I, my skin's not thick enough. I can't take this rejection anymore. And I let myself get it all out and I just was like, okay, I'm not going to make a decision today. Just not going to decide anything when I feel like I'm in this state. I'm going to go home. I'm going to eat a pint of ice cream and watch TV. And then tomorrow I'll decide if I want to go home. And you know what? I woke up that next day and I was like, yeah, I'm just not ready yet. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite ready to go home. I think I'm going to give myself two full years here. And if after two years I haven't made it, I'm going to know that I really gave it everything and it's not meant for me. And that's okay and there's no shame in that. I had kept deferring my university at home, so that was still there mm-hmm, for me if I wanted mm-hmm. to go. And, uh, and I think it was probably, so it was a year, it was almost a year to the day when I got, I booked my first job. A and year, then, wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, after that, thankfully, it was like a pretty consistent stream of, of work after that you know they say in Hollywood like work begets work right if you're working all of a sudden people are interested mm-hmm, in you because mm-hmm. you're good enough to get one job maybe you're good enough to get another and um this everything started flowing after that there was certainly moments in the past 10 years where I've had definite lulls and other moments where I've just had constant work and you know things coming in and it's been exciting uh but once I got that first job I think it really sort of started things off for me and and I've been able to continue it, thankfully. And you sure have. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And who were your idols along the way? I mean, there must have been some people that you looked up to and said as a kid, that's my idol. You know, did you have any of those? I really, I loved Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just, I thought she was so incredible and like uh, talented and obviously, um, you know, coming from Australia, Mm -hmm. she was a huge inspiration for me. Um, and then, you know, there were lots of other sort of lesser known actors that, that I had loved along the way. It was more, um, I would see these like amazing films or these like art house films or independence or even some of the bigger budget ones. And I would watch these movies and be like, God, I got to do that. I got to find a way that I can be, I want to play that role. Like that, it just would speak, like, touch me in this mm-hmm. weird way. And I'm not like that. Like, I'm really not this um, overly artistic, uh, soft, you know, connected person in that way. Um, I'm pretty pragmatic about the way I live my life and I'm very logical and, mm-hmm. you know, um, kind of type A. But I would get lost in these films um, that I would watch and just feel like, gosh, I have to get there. I have to find a way to be able to make movies like that. And, um have to find a way to make myself good enough for that you know and Mm -hmm. that was certainly like a a learning experience as well because when I started out I'm gonna be honest I sucked I had no idea what I was doing (laughs) there was no craft to it I didn't get trained I so she's come a long way right the voice (laughs) (laughs) my training was like hey don't look in the camera yeah yeah just step on that green cross there and don't move so um there was a lot of a lot I learned from like working with really great actors and then other you know working with good coaches or just 
good material and then watching incredible film and I think that sort of helped me along the way. Uh, but I've definitely had my moments where I've, you know, seen Kate on the big screen and been like, wow, I'm never going to get there. But, man, she's incredible. Can, can I just ask you, um, did you ever get a chance to meet any of these idols? Did any of them... No, I haven't met her. Really? It's funny. I've, I've been I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of incredible actors, um, but I haven't met the, those few that like I just love They're yet. The, who's so disappointed you? We'll who's disappointed you though? And in, in, come on, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to name names. <laughs> you, you don't no, have no, to. no, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> what you what I find disappointing. Um, from how we were trained. So, for example, on this first show that I did, this mermaid show, we were basically told, like, if you're late, you're fired. If you don't know your lines, you're fired. Don't be first in the lunch line. You're supposed to be last in the lunch line. All the crew works harder than you. Like, know your place and your place is at the bottom of the ladder as an actor. This is why and I like you. This is why I like you. <laughs> I'm sure it was, I'm sure they were a little more uh, gentle when they delivered that to me, but my 16-year-old head, that's how I remember it. Um, and so coming to America, I, I had this work ethic that was like, don't mess up, don't ever be late. It's disrespectful. There are so many people on the crew who have given up seeing their families and they've made huge mm -hmm. sacrifices to be here to work and it's not your place to make them wait and it's not your place to do a bad job. So, you know, the work ethic instilled in us in Australia was was really um, strong and I, I think maybe that's part of the reason why a lot of Australians work. In yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I... So what was disappointing to me um, when I came out was some of the experiences I had where I didn't see actors behaving that way. <laughs> and that sucked. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, I just was like, I, who, why would you think that you're any better than anyone else in this room? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. why would you think that your time is any more valuable than anyone else in this room? And I, I just, it bothered me to no end when people would show up unprepared mm -hmm. because I feel like, you know what, you got one job. We have someone who dresses us. We have someone who feeds mm -hmm. us. We have someone who picks us up and drives us to work. You really don't, you could come in your pajamas. You don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. Your job is just be prepared, know your lines and show up on time and be a good human. You know, it's mm -hmm. really not that hard. Mm -hmm. And so that I think um, disappointed me. Or, or I definitely struggled with that. Wow. Yeah. Until, until I realized, you know, it's actually pretty common, sadly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so I had to get over that. But what I have found is a lot of the um, really big names or the more successful mm -hmm. actors that I've worked with are the consummate professional. Mm -hmm. Like they mm -hmm. know their lines. They're so kind to everyone. They show up on time. They never wait, make anyone wait. They're easy to be around. And, you know, there's a reason that they get to where they are, right? Because mm -hmm. that's... They're talented, but they're also nice people and professional. So that's been nice to see, I think. Um, but there's, you know, there's both sides. There's both sides, course. isn't it? And that's what I was going to ask you, because I was curious about that. I mean, every time I watch a movie coming out of Hollywood or whatever, it's either, and, and then I find out, God, it's an Australian doing an American accent or it's a Brit, uh -huh. you know? And so why do you think there are so many Aussies that, in my perception, you know, being successful in, 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 in Hollywood? Is it about the work, th work ethic or, or what? I definitely think that that's a part of it. Yeah. All of the Australian actors that I work with or mm -hmm. that I'm friends with out here, they're all the same. 
way. Um, and so I think that it's a huge part because that's how we're trained. And, and there's also, you know, it's the same in Britain, right? There's the tall poppy syndrome in Australia. Mm-hmm. If you get too big, people are quick to cut you down. So there's never that mentality of like, I'm, I'm bigger and better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we carry that with us a lot to our detriment at times. I know me for sure, like I, I'm always so conscious. I don't want anyone to think that I think I'm any good or, you know, I, it's really important for me to stay humble and, and I don't want to seem like I have a big head or or anything. So um, that's definitely a part of it. And then I think, you know, another part of it is we grow up watching content from the States. You know, there's not a – now it's different. Now there's, you know, some incredible Australian productions and I know in Britain there's mm-hmm. incredible British productions. But we hear that accent all the time on TV. And so I think – Growing up hearing it constantly, it's just easier to to be able to put it on. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's in a sense, I think it's the same with the British accent. You know, it just lends itself to that. Our Australian accent is easy mm-hmm. to put on the British accent. I'm not sure that uh, people have an easy time putting on our accent. But, uh, <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> it's a get very out. weird one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah get out, But is it true but, they say that it's easier to do a Southern American accent than anything? So if you're going to have a part. That's, uh, that's what a lot of people, when they come out, a lot of Australians, if you haven't had a lot of experience. Yeah lean southern right so uh, now i find it much easier to do a general uh, mm-hmm. american accent than a southern accent because you realize there are so many different specific regions and they all have you know a different sound uh but yeah it's it, when i first came out i definitely had a twang yeah. i had to work on that <laughs> <laughs> figure that one out all right give us your best new york accent right now give me a fucking coffee yeah People ask me to do that all the time. And part of me is just like shy. I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I feel embarrassed. And so, you know, I make a joke that I'm like, are you paying me? And everyone's like, oh, stop. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not, I only do it for money. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's the way I get out of doing it. Yeah, no, no. I'm, but, I'll, um, I'll be honest with you. Is that, that honestly, it's so funny because, uh, because every actor I've ever met in my entire life, that's their pet peeve. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that. It only gets better in part two. So subscribe, tune in next week. Thanks.